From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. An important job in the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic is that of contact tracers. Talking with me about their role is Dr. Indu Gupta, the Commissioner of Health at the Onondaga County Health Department. She is also part of the Public Health and Preventive Medicine faculty at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Gupta. Thank you for having me, Amber. What is the role of a contact tracer? What do they do? So um, the contact tracer is a very important part of the public health measure in terms of prevention. Uh, contact tracing is a core disease control measure. Um, as it's very important for everyone to understand that it is implemented by local health departments, uh, sometimes also state health departments. And it is a key strategy for preventing spread of any infectious disease. It is not something new. It has been um, part of our public health work for decades. Uh, when you think of measles, mumps, uh, TB, or Ebola, uh, and in this situation, COVID-19 pandemic, it is so crucial that we stay involved and we do contact tracing. Uh, and the contact tracing only happens if we do the case investigation. So does that mean that a contact tracer traces the contacts for a certain person who's infected? Right, so let me just give you a scenario. I think it will be easier to understand that way is, so if there's somebody's case, uh, a test is positive, they tested for COVID-19 and test uh, became, comes to local health department uh, in this situation, Onondaga County Health Department, our staff will look up the name and, and information of that person and contact that individual. Uh, in, uh, in a lot of situations, if primary care physician have ordered them, hospital have ordered them, they have already contacted the patient. Uh, otherwise, we certainly, we work with the, we, with the primary care physician and the hospitals as well, but we will directly contact the case, um, the person who is test positive, that's what we call code and code case, and go through the whole history. That means you have to, uh, go from two days prior to the uh, person becomes symptomatic, not the test they did, but the person's onset of symptoms when they had fever, cough, uh, shortness of breath, uh, headache, you know, diarrhea, nausea, um, body ache, different kind of symptoms which, which we are happening with the COVID-19 uh, situation. And we go 48 hours before those onset start started and we pretty much walked the person's path. We asked them to remember where they were um, and where did they work? Did they go to the grocery store? Did they exercise, went to the gym or went to the park? Any kind of situation, did they have family gatherings? And why this is important? Because that is a key component in identifying contacts. Those people who this case had come in contact with and may have exposed, those are the ones which we need to reach out to all of them. Uh, majority of them hopefully are asymptomatic. It means they have no symptoms, but we need to rapidly identify them and talk to them. And that's what the contact tracers do. They will go one by one to these individuals uh, by phone. We do it phone or emails. Uh, most of the time phones, uh, email is the one which they will provide it to us and do the thorough interview and identify what kind of exposure these individuals had with the case. And based on the conclusion, 
uh, duration of exposure, how close they were, then they will be recommended that you should be in quarantine at this point for 14 days. Uh, the cases are at, uh, uh, put in isolation for minimum of 10 days, and the quarantine for the contacts are for 14 days. So I imagine it, you could end up with a person who just isn't good at remembering what they did in the past week or so. so right, right. That, that is a challenge, yes. Uh, you'll be surprised how many times people uh, do remember. We just give them some time. So usually a lot of times we will tell them, anything you remember, you call us back, right? So our staff is very good about those things and uh, making connection with them and making feel, make them feel comfortable. Um, sometimes people feel comfortable if I'm going to tell them, you know, my friend will get upset and, and my uh, coworker will get upset. We never identify who this person is. Our pretty much will be sentence our staff uses and it truly public health departments uses. You, may, you have been exposed, you were in contact with somebody who has been diagnosed with COVID-19, protecting the case's identity. Uh, it is, uh, and, and also it gives a little comfort to the person who we are interviewing. Um, and then just feels like that it's not going to be cornered. And I think it's important for people to feel comfortable uh, going back in memory lane and trying to identify. Um, and yes, there are certain times, especially when we are talking elderly individuals, uh, we have to go back and forth with them. They will remember. Sometimes if they say, talk to my daughter or son or somebody, then we will get that additional information uh, after their approval to talk to them. Um, and a lot of times it's a pretty, very detailed and tedious work, but it is very crucial because the goal is to prevent transmission of virus to make sure we can protect more and more people. So we've seen on the local news um, in recent weeks, uh, you know, there was an exposure, a potential exposure at a certain store. Is that the result of a contact tracer's work? Yes, that's exactly the contact tracer's work. So if you think somebody um, who was a contact of a case um, went to when they were um, uh, actually the not the contact. So the contact, if they're symptomatic, we get concerned. So these are the cases who are walking. So these are case investigators. We don't have a, a two separate category at this point. Our people who do the case investigation, they also do contact investigations. Uh, case investigation is more detailed. And those news releases which you are looking at and you listened to uh, are as a result of direct interview with the cases who were COVID positive and they went to different places when they were shopping. And at the same time, they had a lot of symptoms. Um, we asked them if they had masks on that does some protection uh, depending on what kind of mask they have it because other people, if they're not wearing masks, that sort of a dilutes that protection. That's why we, it's important for people, again, I think when we put those releases out to, one is to inform the public. Number two is raise awareness that it's everywhere. And number three, in terms of when they have a mask, if people aren't not wearing masks, you don't have double protection to protect yourself. So it gives a lot of good public information. Um, and also if people feel like they were, you know, have underlying health problems and, they are elderly, they will be asked to monitor themselves to make sure if they have any signs of thinking of COVID-19, they should go and talk to their doctor and, and call them and then get tested. 
So there are multiple reasons for us to do those, uh, those press releases. If the employee of a store or a place, uh, the workplace is, uh, is uh, positive, that has a little bit different implication because they may have direct interaction. And that's why the employers have put a lot of safety measure, putting plexiglass, right, putting six feet away. Um, all these things um, protect customer. So when our case and contact investigators are talking to our staff, uh, to the cases or contact, they actually ask all those details, details from, from those individuals. Um, and that's how we make determination. Um, did we complete everything? Do, do we have to inform the public? If we do feel like we have to inform the public, then we will do so. Otherwise, our contact investigation can identify one zero contact because the person was not anywhere from the case to 40 or 50 contacts in some situation. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Indu Gupta, Onondaga County's Health Commissioner. So let me ask you about, uh, because I understand that there are some positions available for contact tracers, what kind of person makes a good contact tracer? So a good contact tracer will be a person who has good communication skills, who can relate with an individual. Um, it is important to have empathy when you're talking to uh, people about their personal health, right? It's, it's a scary time for everybody. Um, they get uh, emotionally charged, so a person should have uh, understanding of, about, of the disease itself, COVID-19, so that um, would be able to answer the question. He or she doesn't have to be in health field, uh, but uh, a background in public health sometimes is, is extremely helpful, or some medical field uh, is also helpful, but it's not a um, it's not a requirement because some of those skills the contact tracers uh, can actually learn by doing the Johns Hopkins training and then also hands-on training if they work with the health department staff on you know depending on case by case basis they have their own um, they have their own chain of command uh, the one which are being going to be hired by New York State Department of Health but at the same time, they will be working in pretty much a collaboration uh, side by side with the health department team. You mentioned the Johns Hopkins training, and I'll let listeners know that we will post a link to that on our website, healthlinkonair.org, for people who are interested. Um, I know that the training is free, uh, and people may just be interested in it. Yes, I think it's an excellent training. I have gotten really good feedback from uh, from various people, uh, many of my own staff who have been actually doing case and contact investigation, case, what we call case investigation and contact tracing for the last couple of months, they actually were very curious and they thought that is a good training. And many of other county staff actually have done also who are not part of the health department, ready to go on board essentially if we have a surge. So I would encourage if people are interested in public health, I think it's important to go through that, it will give you a good, succinct way of understanding. It's about four to six hours, and you can actually get certificate also if you wish. So it is, it is a good, it's a good learning. So are the contact tracing, is that mostly done by telephone or by email, or do, is there some in-person work as well? So it is at this point, because we are talking a, a very infectious disease, so it is done on the telephone. 
uh, most of and sometimes supplemented by text once the uh, once the contact established, especially for the follow-ups and how are you, do you have any fever, those kind of things, if anything else, uh, they can be actually um, enrolled in a texting system, which will continue to remind people to, uh, to, uh, to report the symptoms back to the health department. Uh, so there are various ways. Emails are not the best way to communicate because um, th that is something will, there will be a delay. Uh, however, email are very integral part of uh, the contact investigation because we can send them information, uh, a lot of material for them to review, uh, quarantine orders, that's what we like to do, and also release orders. These are very important, and they can send questions to the staff also. So the emails work as a supplement, but not the primary mode of communication. Uh, phone calls are the first one, followed by text as a supplementary and the email. Okay. And let me review uh, when we're talking about the infectious period for someone with COVID, that actually begins before the person has symptoms, right? Right. So there is a still a lot of unknown about this virus. Uh, we continue to learn based on the information at this point and considering uh, people when they are asymptomatic, get, get, they can transmit the virus. The recent CDC recommendation uh, along, which was adopted by New York State Department of Health, and we as the health department adopted uh, more than a month ago also, that two days prior to people have symptoms, they will be considered uh, infectious. So it is important for us when we ask the question to the individual, what, where were you two days prior to you had the onset of symptoms? Um, uh, and that's how we have been working um, our uh, investigations. So if a person lists and tells you the places that they went in the preceding two days, if they wore a mask the whole time, are you as concerned about them as if they went around without a mask? So depending on what kind of mask, so if you have surgical mask, N95s, nobody's going to wear them outside, right? These are basically uh, limited for the healthcare workers in the hospital setting. They are the best ones, but because of limited uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, they are not available to general public. So um, if, if people are working in a health system and they have N95 um, and they worked while they were asymptomatic, that actually gives a little bit comfort to us that, okay, these people might have protected the people uh, around them. Uh, if they were wearing surgical masks, that depends on if the patient was wearing surgical masks, uh, um, then it, we, have to, we have to see what kind of symptoms this person had or did not have. Uh, so we have to take into consideration what was the exposure to the other parts, whether the other person was they exposed to at their work site um, were wearing what kind of mask? Were they wearing mask or not mask? Which kind of mask? So it depends on the person who had, who is the case versus who is the person they were communicating with. Um, however, with the general public, it becomes a little bit complicated. Uh, people have been wearing sort of a surgical mask uh, as well as mostly cloth mask. It provides some protection. And also depends if other people around them are wearing masks, some kind of protection. So the cloth mask and surgical mask are not good as good as 995. 
However, surgical mask is a lot better than the cloth mask, but they are not widely available also, and we won't recommend everybody wearing them either in the general public because we want healthcare workers to have them first. Um, uh, the, if their cloth masks are worn by both uh, people, uh, the person who is positive case as well as the, everybody in the store, it gives some protection, but if it's not all. That's why I think we look for social distancing measures and personal hygiene matters, all those things. And if you are symptomatic, don't go to those places, stay home. All these things complement each other. There's no one size fits or there's no one strategy. Every strategy builds on the second strategy, right? So we really, if we want to reduce the transmission of virus in the community, you have to build on. If you're sick, stay home and use hand washing, right? All these things are very crucial. Well, very good. Thank you so much to Dr. Indu Gupta. She's Commissioner of Health at the Onondaga County Health Department. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.